0: Merry Christmas, Cedar Creek. Thank you, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Christmas Eve celebration. And I'm also excited to have all of the kids in here with us, because after all, what would Christmas be without kids? And uh, by the way, parents, let me just set you at ease. We know it's Christmas Eve. We know the kids are jacked out of their minds. And I promise you, we're not expecting your preschooler to sit quietly with their hands folded in their lap. We know they might get a little rambunctious. We know some babies might cry. You know what, that's okay. That's a reminder for all of us of what we are celebrating. It is all part of having the whole family home for Christmas. And we're just glad that you're here you know, it still amazes me when I stop and think about the fact that over the next 24 hours, two and a half billion people spread all across the world will stop what they're doing and gather together like we are to celebrate the birth of a child born over 2,000 years ago. And we're not talking about a, a child born into wealth and privilege in a palace. We're talking about an obscure baby. A baby born to peasant parents in a manger, in a backwater village on the backside of the Middle East. I mean, talk about obscurity. In fact, the night that Jesus was born, his birth was unknown to pretty much everybody. It made little to no impact, even on the little town of Bethlehem. I mean, other than his parents, a handful of shepherds, and maybe an innkeeper, nobody knew that this child had been born. In fact, there's a chance he was not the only child born in Bethlehem on that night. And yet, here we are, 2,000 plus years later, and the whole world knows about his birth, and a third of the people in the world celebrate his birth as a life-changing event. There's no doubt that the birth of Jesus changed the world. The bigger question, the more important question is, can it change us? Does this child born 2000 years ago have any real significance, any relevance for our lives today? I mean beyond the decorations and the days off work and the gifts we'll exchange tomorrow. Will it really matter a week from now? A month from now? Or a year from now? Does it really change anything? Well I believe the answer is yes. I believe the birth of Jesus changes everything. And so for the next few minutes, I want to share with you, and maybe for many of us, remind you of how the birth of Jesus changes our daily lives. You know, one of the ways it does that is that it changes my relationship status. The birth of Jesus changes my relationship status. And no, I'm not talking about whether you're married or single, engaged or just Facebook official. I'm talking about changing your relationship status with God. The birth of Jesus means that you are no longer separated from God. In fact, notice what Matthew writes in his gospel about the birth of Jesus, Matthew one twenty three, He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen, the biggest miracle in that verse is not that a virgin gave birth. I mean, that's a big miracle. But the bigger miracle is that God chose to be with us. See, the birth of Jesus is not a story about a magic baby born in a manger who calls the star to rise in the sky and angels to come to earth and sing. The story of Jesus' birth is of the God of the universe, wrapping himself in human flesh and entering the dark, broken messiness, not just of our world, but of our individual lives. If there's one thing that we've learned over these last 18 months, it's how difficult it is to be isolated from others, to feel alone, to feel like you're having to deal with stuff and go through stuff all by yourself. In fact, even now that we can gather, many of us recognize that you can still be with others and still feel alone. You can be in a crowd and still feel like nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody knows what it's like to be you. Nobody understands how it feels to be you. But the good news of Christmas is that God knows. He knows and he cares what you're feeling and what you're dealing with. You know, in the Old Testament, before Jesus was born, people knew that God knew everything about them. People understood that God was omniscient. And that's why 3,000 plus years before Jesus was born, King David wrote in Psalm 139 that, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know everything about me. You know when I rise and when I sit. You know my comings and my goings. You, You know my thoughts even before they are on my lips. Everybody knew that God knew what was going on with them, but the birth of Jesus changed the narrative. People understood that not only did God know, but that he cared. That's why Peter, who spent time, a lot of time with Jesus, would write these words in his New Testament book. 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, give all your worries to him, to God. Why? Because he cares about you. The miracle of Jesus' birth is that it led to Jesus' life on this earth. A life that was not only completely sinless, but a life that went through everything that you're going through. A life of 33 years experiencing the emotional highs and lows, the difficulties, the struggles, the joys and the grief, the darkness and the pain. The Bible says he knew everything, every temptation. He was aware of it. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a king who's not sympathetic because we don't have a king who spent his whole life in the luxury of a palace, we have a king who grew up on the same streets we did, who went through the same things that we go through. And because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of our king to receive not only his grace and his mercy, but to receive his help to walk through whatever you're walking through. The birth of Jesus changes your relationship status. Look, I don't know your view of God or even if you believe in God. But maybe for some of you, you think of God as some cosmic force for good out in the universe. Or maybe you think of God like a cosmic watchmaker, you know, who put the whole universe together, wound it up, and then just sits back and watches it unwind for his own entertainment. Whatever your view of God is, you can understand this. The birth of Jesus means that you don't have a distant God, you have a personal God who knows you and wants you to know him in a deeper, more personal, more real, daily relationship. Jesus' birth changes your relationship status. It also changes how you view your circumstances, the birth of Jesus changes how I view my circumstances. It changes how I look at the things that do and don't happen to me. Right? Most of us measure the quality of our lives by the quality of our circumstances, right? When things are going good, life is good. When things are going bad, life is bad. But listen, the birth of Jesus means that the value and purpose of your life is bigger than your temporary circumstances. You are more than what you're going through right now, good or bad. Your value, your worth, your purpose, your life is not defined by the roller coaster experiences of your emotions and your life. There's something bigger going on, and you're a part of it. It's so interesting to me that Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And the angel declared with his birth that there would be peace on earth when Jesus was born. But if you read what happens after Jesus' birth, there's not more peace, there's more chaos after his birth. Read Matthew's Gospel in the months following Jesus' birth, his parents leave the, the stable, the cave. They move into a house in Bethlehem and they begin to set up and live there. That's where the, the family was when the wise men came and brought their gifts to the child Jesus, not the baby Jesus. But then when the wise men left, Joseph is warned in an angel in a dream to get up take his family and flee for their lives into Africa, into Egypt, a place they'd never been, a culture and a language they would not understand. There's no peace in that. There's more chaos for Mary and Joseph after Jesus' birth. Same for the town of Bethlehem. Maybe you know the story. When Herod finds out that a new king has been born and the wise men don't come back and tell him, what does he do? He sends his soldiers to, the Beth, to Bethlehem, and he has every male child, aged two and under, slaughtered. We're talking about a bloodbath on the streets of Bethlehem, in the same place that the Prince of peace was born. So either Jesus is not really the prince of peace, or his peace is deeper than our circumstances. That's why 30-something years later, Jesus would speak these words to his closest followers in John 14. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What does that mean? That means that the peace of Jesus is not to the up and down circumstances of our lives. It means that my up and down circumstances have a purpose and a meaning to them. That something is being done bigger than just what I can see and feel. Listen, I want you to hear my heart on this, church. I I don't know the painful stuff you're walking through. I, I don't know. I know my own journey and the pain and grief of it. And I'm certainly not up here telling you it's Christmas, paint on a smile, and pretend to be happy. But what I am saying is that whatever you are going through, it is not wasted. It's not meaningless. Somehow, someway, God is moving and working in your circumstances. And the good news of Christmas is that everything that does or does not happen to you is ultimately for your good and for God's glory. The birth of Jesus changes how we see our circumstances. And then finally, the birth of Jesus changes how my past impacts my future. The birth of Jesus changes how the ways, the things in my past can dictate and determine my future. And that's good news because most of us live daily allowing the stuff in our past to dictate our present and to determine our future. We're either walking tied to the trauma or we're living in the false sense of security of our success. Somehow our past is still controlling our lives. As I said a couple of weeks ago, many of us go through life like Ebenezer Scrooge's business partner, you know, Jacob Marley, chain, like like somehow the chains of our past, our own failures and the failures of others. Somehow we have to go through life dragging our past with us. But the good news of Christmas is that you can be free from the chains of your past. Because the same Jesus who was born in a manger would die on a cross. Christmas and Easter are not two different stories. They're one big story, and it's a story of rescue and redemption and forgiveness and freedom. That's why Jesus would say in John 8, that if the Son sets you free, you will be free in And listen, the amazing thing about the freedom that Jesus offers us, it it is a two-sided freedom. Yes, we can be free from our own sin, our own failures, our own mistakes, but we can also be free from the pain that others have caused us. Jesus' birth and death and resurrection means we can release the pain that others have caused. We don't have to keep dragging it with us into the future. We read that part of the Lord's Prayer where we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we think it's a transactional thing. That we forgive others in order to earn God's forgiveness of us. And yes, Jesus said, God forgives you in the way that you forgive others. But that was not meant to be a transaction with God. It is an invitation from God, it is an invitation to come home, it's an invitation to let go of the change and to live in the freedom of His forgiveness. In fact, I believe that's why when Jesus wanted to paint a picture for us of what the forgiveness of God was like, he told the story of a son who took what he could from the father, rebelled against the father. And went and lived a totally self-absorbed life. Doing whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. And Jesus said, as we all know, the path of that life ends up hitting rock bottom. And it didn't take long for this kid to end up face down in a pigsty. Covered in mud. And many of us would say, he got what he deserved. That bum earned Being in a pigsty. But Jesus said the story doesn't end there because that no count son came to his senses and he got up out of the mud and he cleaned the mud off as best as he could and he decided he was going to go home to the Father. And even though he had cleaned up the outside, he couldn't get rid of the deep shame and guilt that he felt. He couldn't release that on his own. You know how I know that? Because his plan was not to go back and be restored to the family. His plan was just to go back and see if he could get a job. But Jesus said, while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him coming and he ran to him and he threw his arms around him and he put a robe on him and he put sandals on his feet and he put the family crest ring on his finger and said, You are restored. Welcome home, son. You're not here to be a servant. You are here to be fully in the family. That's the only way, the guilt and shame that so many of us carry. The only way to free yourself is to come home. Come home. Christmas is an invitation And so tonight I want to invite you to come home to a father who loves you and cares about what you're going through. Come home to a father who has a plan and a purpose for your life that's bigger than your circumstances. Come home to a father who made a way not only for you to clean up the mess you've made of your life, but to clean out the shame that paralyzes you and finally begin to live in the freedom of his forgiveness. Come home, come home to him. Would you pray with me? I don't know who you are, where you're from, where you've been, what you've done, or why you're even here on this Christmas Eve, but I am convinced that you're not here by accident. God loves you so much and he wants you to know that he's invited you home. You don't have to keep living the way you're living. You don't have to keep walking with the scars of your mistakes and the mistakes of others. Just cry out. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to check a box on a piece of card. You just need to in the heart of of your heart right where you're sitting. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Father, I want to come home. I believe that this Jesus who was born in a manger died a sacrificial death on a cross to pay the price for my sin. I receive that forgiveness and I hunger for that relief of shame. Father, I want to come home tonight. To come home for Christmas. That's Christmas. This is your homecoming invitation. You respond as God leads you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.